This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Friend, the Apostle Paul spoke by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth when he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, in 1 Corinthians 12.1. There is indeed much ignorance of the spiritual gifts in the church today, friend, and that's partly why I'm embarking upon a series of broadcasts that will cover in detail each of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. In some churches, people know absolutely nothing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or they don't even know that they exist today, for that matter. And this is really sad. Some ministers even preach the gifts have been done away with. Friend, this is nothing but ignorance gone to seed. Some have gone as far as to write books and doctoral theses about how God has become weakened in these last days and can no longer assist the church in the gifts operation as he once did. According to some, around 300 AD, he just up and quit and left the church without power or gifts. Friend, this is nonsense. It wasn't that God gave up and quit and left his church and stopped manifesting the gifts. No, friend, it's because man quit operating in them by faith. Remember what the Apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you. Friend, we are the ones who stir up the spiritual gifts, otherwise they remain dormant until we do so. We have a part to play in the manifestation of God's spiritual gifts by making ourselves available for God to use us. Just to familiarize ourselves with some brief church history right now, back in the 1960s and 70s there was an outpouring in the United States and around the world known as the Charismatic Movement. That move of God was characterized by thousands of nominal believers in denominational churches being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues as the initial evidence, with prophecy also on occasion. God shook the walls of conventional church during that time, and I sincerely believe there is soon approaching another move of God's Spirit that will sweep over the denominations once more in this nation as we approach Christ's return. Friend, do you know that we should desire spiritual gifts? And the Bible speaks plainly about this in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. There should be an innate desire within us to move in the spiritual gifts. The trouble is, just like on Christmas Day, we can leave our gifts under the tree, or we can choose to open them. We can open the gifts if we want to, or we can just leave them under the tree. In the coming days, let's discuss the gifts together. Let's talk about how they operate, specifically with biblical examples, and that's what I plan to do. Now, according to Acts 1.8, just prior to his ascension, Jesus told his disciples that they would receive the necessary power to be effective witnesses for him and also instructed them to tarry in Jerusalem for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, also known as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This manifestation later occurred in Jerusalem during the Feast of Pentecost. 
The Feast of Pentecost occurred 50 days after Passover. Now, as the Passover feast celebrated the exodus of the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt, so Pentecost celebrated God's gift of the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. But this time, the gift of the Holy Spirit was arriving in Jerusalem. And the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' disciples was accompanied by speaking in tongues in Acts 2.4. Peter declared to all who were present, this event was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 32. In other words, the outpouring of the Spirit upon all God's people in the last days, culminating in Israel's final redemption. The Holy Spirit's reception with tongues as the initial evidence by the disciples in the upper room was evidence of its outpouring and indispensable after the conversion experiences of those who came to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, including the Gentiles. Friend, in all my years of walking with the Lord, I've never once met someone who operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as the Bible outlines their usage, who's not first been baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not saying that these people can't hear from God or apply their faith in praying for the sick either. I'm not saying that. Let me ask you this. What other evidence can you provide that you're spirit-filled? It's the only evidence the Bible offers in addition to prophecy on rare occasion. In fact, you could argue that tongues is the gateway to the other gifts. And when I say tongues, I'm talking about your private prayer language that's imparted when you receive the promise of the Father that Jesus spoke of in Acts 1-4. This promise of the Father that Jesus spoke about to his disciples that they later received in the upper room of Jerusalem was in fact endowment with power from on high in order to evangelize the world as he saw fit. Certain signs followed them in their ministry and one of these signs was praying in tongues. The point being is this, if Jesus considered the disciples to be equipped to evangelize in their condition of just being saved, he would not have offered this subsequent outpouring of God spirit to do the works of Jesus on the earth. No friend, he wanted them to tarry for a second outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that same outpouring is available today for all who believe God for it. It has not ceased my friend. Can I let you into a secret? Not all who pray in tongues or the spirit as it's also called are snake handlers who choose to forego basic bodily hygiene. No friend, let's shatter these stereotypes right now and honor God and his wonderful charismata and put aside any stigma we may harbor to the outpouring of God's spirit. There are doctors and lawyers and engineers, nurses, teachers and garbage collectors who all pray in tongues, or the Spirit, as it's sometimes called. In fact, worldwide, there are estimated to be 600 million people and rising who pray in the Spirit. The book of Acts is never finished, my friend. If you turn to the last chapter, you will see there is no real ending to it, but a description of Paul's house arrest. The book of Acts is really a book which documents the acts of the Holy Spirit as well as the acts of the apostles because, believe it or not, there are still prophets and apostles in ministry offices today, according to Ephesians 4.11. The book of Acts is still being written, friend, and you too can be a part of this ongoing historical account if you choose to. I always urge anyone I meet to study the Bible for themselves. Just because your pastor doesn't believe in the spiritual gifts or preach about healing the sick or talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not mean he's correct. He could be ignorant himself of these manifestations also. The Spirit-filled outpouring is not an exclusive little club for the privileged few. No, my friend. 
Now, spiritual gifts come from the phrase regularly used to translate two Greek words, charismata and pneumatica. Both words are almost exclusively Pauline within the biblical writings. Elsewhere in the New Testament, they appear only in 1 Peter 2.5 and 4.10. Other writers, of course, mention phenomena that fall within Paul's definition of spiritual gifts. But for specific teaching on the subject, one must depend on the Apostle Paul first and foremost, as he is the one who talked about the gifts exclusively. Let's read now in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, concerning these gifts. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations. It is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. As you can see, there are nine gifts in total, and they can be categorized as the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the utterance or inspirational gifts. As you can tell, they fall into three categories of three. The revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Because when these gifts are in operation, they reveal something to us. Next would be the power gifts, comprising of the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. Obviously, these are power gifts because in each case, they manifest God's power to accomplish something physically. And finally, the inspirational or utterance gifts comprise of the gift of prophecy, divers' tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. It should be noted here that if a tongue and interpretation is offered in a public setting, this is equivalent to prophecy. And prophecy in the New Testament dispensation is primarily meant to edify, comfort, and exhort other people, not tear them down. The gift of prophecy, therefore, has no aspect of prediction or foretelling to it, as will be explained in detail in the coming sessions. Now, some scholars contend that in each of these categories, as I've mentioned, that the first gift listed is the most important. In other words, of the three revelation gifts, the word of wisdom would be the most important because it reveals God's plans and future will. Of the three power gifts, the gift of faith is the best gift because through it we have the supernatural ability to work miracles. And finally, of the three utterance gifts, prophecy is the best gift because it's complete in and of itself as it brings edification, comfort, and encouragement to the body of Christ. However, the two other utterance gifts can only offer this encouragement when they are combined in a public setting. Friend, know this. Any gift in operation will always attest to the fact that Jesus is Lord and will glorify him. In 1 Corinthians 12.3 it says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. In other words, Paul is saying that whenever the true spiritual gifts are in operation, Jesus will be magnified as Lord. Man will never be lauded, but only Jesus himself as the Holy Spirit operates. In 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 5 it says, Now there are diversities 
varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now there are two ways to interpret this verse. You could say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are administered to different people in different ways as he wills it. That's what's meant by diversities of operations. Some people believe the Apostle Paul meant that the gifts of the Spirit will operate in different ways and not the same way only through various people. And I believe this to be true. The other way of interpreting this is to think of the diversities of operation as not referring to the gifts at all. But in other words, just as there are different gifts of the Spirit, there are different ways in which these may be administered. So Paul was talking here about gifts, administrations, and operations, not just gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12:7, Paul calls the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifestations. So Paul was making the distinction here that the gifts of the Spirit aren't gifts in the sense that a believer owns and operates them himself at his own discretion. No, they are gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested through individual believers as the Spirit of God wills them. The gifts of the Spirit aren't just given for the individual, but they are given in order to profit the whole local assembly or local body of believers. The gifts are for other people, friend. They're not for you. They're for someone else, primarily. I will begin our specific discussion on the spiritual gifts, and that will begin with a gift of the word of wisdom. We're going to go into specific biblical examples of when this operated, and also in my own life when I have operated in this gift as well. I will share testimony of how that occurred and the blessings that came with it. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.